Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Thank you, Randy. It's good to have you back. I'm sure everyone agrees. We'd all be clapping right now. Hopefully you are in your homes. You know, even as he was singing that last song, as we are praying for hope and we are praying for peace, we are also praying for it within ourselves. To be able to give peace, um, we have to have it. To be able to give hope, we have to have it. And so I, I pray that that is the case with you. And that's what we're doing, hopefully, together, is trying to connect to a God who is a God of hope in ways that then are able to be shared with others. Uh, A few announcements that we have. One, if you have not signed up for the newsletter, please do. We have a new one that's coming out. And in the newsletter, we will have a lot of the things that are taking place. You know, I'll share uh, this morning some of the things happening. But if you're not listening uh, carefully, if you had to go check on the baby or the breakfast or get the coffee and you miss the announcements, you might not know what's happening this week. But it is on the newsletter, and that newsletter can be emailed directly to you. And I know we're going to post it on uh, Facebook or on our website, I think, as well. Um, a couple of things, though, that are happening is tonight at 5 o'clock, we're doing Take Two. Take two is where I have a discussion about the things that I talk about this morning. So if I say something this morning that you have a question about, you can write in your question. Uh, It is on Instagram Live, and then I'm going to have Randy with me again today, and he's going to bring up some thoughts and questions that he has See, I have him here just to make sure he's listening. If I do this to everyone, I'll have someone listening to me. Um, But it gives us the ability to kind of dialogue about what is being said, and it allows us to go a little bit deeper. I think that's something that's important is to be able to have dialogue and having the diverse ideas and points of view helps us to get a little bit deeper insight. Also, Wednesday at 10 a.m., I'm going to be doing the meditative prayer again. Uh, That is also on Instagram. And also, we want to remind you about giving. We have different ways for you to give. You can go to the website, thegenesisstory.com, and follow the giving tab and the process there. You can give on Venmo. You can give on Zelle. You can mail uh, to the building here as well. And all that information is on our website. And as you continue to give, it continues to support some of the things that we're doing, which brings me to what we really want to continue doing is ministering, right? We want to continue extending ourselves to our community. And so 
We are planning, and I don't have an exact time yet, but we are planning on doing an outreach in our local community, but it is going to be a lot dependent on all of us, right? It is too much for just a few people to handle. But what we are looking to do is give out supplies to the people in the community around the Genesis building, Uh, supplies like uh, hand cleaner, um, disinfectant wipes, and maybe some school supplies, pencils, notebooks, maybe even backpacks to the children who are in this area and helping out with the family and the things that are there. And to do this, we're going to need people. We're going to need people to go and purchase the things, collect it. Of course, we need people to give so that we can purchase those things. We are going to need people to come to the building and organize those things. We are going to need people to help with the distribution as people come. We even need people who are going to go out and kind of promote what we are doing in the neighborhood around the building here so that people know that on this day we are going to be doing this thing. If you would like to participate in this, we need to hear from you. And again, you can email us at info at the Say, I'm interested, and we will get in touch with you with further details. You can call someone from leadership. Um, if you don't have their numbers, again, you can go to the genesisstory.com. If you want my number, just look up Sam Scotty on Google and you will find me as a dog trainer and you can call me. I might answer as a dog trainer, but I will talk to you about whatever. I don't just talk about dogs when I answer the phone, thankfully. But anyway, this is something that we want to do. And it is our desire in this time where we are limited in so many ways, to not let the gospel be limited in the things that God wants to do in us and through us. And so I hope you guys will be excited about this and will be willing to step into this and be praying for us as we try to navigate how to lead through this time in a way that represents Christ well. And that is our desire. I know it's my desire and it's the desire of everyone who is in the leadership, even as we move forward and as there's a lot of changes taking place, be praying for us as those changes are taking place. This morning, got a lot to cover here in Daniel chapter 5. So if you have a copy of the scripture, open it to Daniel 5 and let me pause and pray. God, I ask that through this morning and this time in this chapter, you will speak to our lives, that your Holy Spirit would quicken us, Lord, give us life, give us hope, give us inspiration, Lord, that we will receive from you things that will help us to live today in the world that we're living in. And I thank you for your faithfulness, and I thank you for this book, and I thank you for all the people who are a part of this community who desire, Lord, to be used by you and to hear from you. And we pray that happens now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I'm going to talk about rhinoceros. What's more than one rhinoceros? Rhinoceri? Rhinos. I'll talk about rhinos, a house in Hollywood, conversation with a 12-year-old, Arguments, Spider-Man comics, and solar panels. But first, let's begin. Daniel chapter 5, verse 1. 
King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the kings and his lords, his wives and the concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood and stone. The stage is being set for this chapter and we see a new player on the stage in King Belshazzar. We, we see him for the first time show up here and we see that he's having this feast where he's got a thousand people. It's a public exhibition. Usually the kings would not drink wine in this fashion, but he is doing it. He's flaunting his power. They're praising the gods of gold, silver and iron and wood and stone. And it is a declaration of power. It's interesting because we'll see at the end of this chapter, when he is having this feast, it is actually while they are at siege and under attack, and yet he is doing this. Who does that? Who, who does this kind of thing? How can he have a feast when there are enemies outside of his wall? Historians tell us that the walls of Babylon were 320 feet high, 80 feet wide, and 56 miles long. That the river Euphrates went through the city, and so they were able to have fresh water, and they had enough supplies, it said and from Greek history, to last 20 years. And so here the king is feeling like, you know what? Let them be outside the wall. We've got it made. They can't get in. And we've got all that we need, at least 20 years. Let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die, right? It is this kind of carefree attitude. You know, rhinoceros are up to 5,000 pounds, some of them. They can run at speeds of 34 miles an hour, but they can only see clearly about 10 feet in front of them. So imagine this beast running at 34 miles an hour. Here's almost 5,000 pounds running at that speed, but can't see very far in front of them. A herd of rhinos is called a crash for just that reason, because they cannot see. They are just going to plow through. And what is happening here is we have a king who's in power, but who is blind to the situation that he's in. He's blind to it because he is arrogant in what he thinks he has, and he's flaunting it. Oh, these that were the gods and the, the special things of worship for these gods, we are going to use them, and, and it's just going to be proof that the gods that we worship, which is this affluent life we have of gold, silver, of wood, stone, 
that we are in charge and that means little. In fact, what they used as worship, we're using to drink wine. And we're seeing what Proverbs tells us that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. When a person or a nation even is in power, it will show what it really is when it has the ability to have that kind of control. It says that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I believe what's more accurate is absolute power reveals absolutely. And and here we're getting an insight into this king. We're seeing his arrogance. We're seeing his blindness. We're seeing his pride. And we're seeing it in contrast to the God of Israel who they went and ransacked the temple and are now using it here for drink. Verse five, it says, immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. I think this is the first time that it is written that the knees knocked together. I could be wrong, but I think this is the first time we ever see it written that someone's knees knocked together. The king called loudly to bring to the enchanters, the Chaldeans and the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed and his color changed and his lords were perplexed. This is a supernatural event that is causing an effect, which I imagine it would. When I lived in Hollywood, I don't know that the house was haunted, but we had these incidents that would happen there. I I remember sitting with my mom and and seeing this kind of white thing go across the floor, and I was kind of freaked out. And I said, what was that? And she goes, oh, it's nothing. It's okay. So she saw it too, and I saw it, but she said it was okay. So again, I, I don't know what was going on. There were some other things that happened in that house, and I'm not saying the house was haunted. Might be I was on acid at the time. I don't know what was going on, but something strange would happen. And when it would happen, it would send a chill down your spine, right? It would be like, what the heck's going on? And it would make you aware that there is more happening than you were previously aware of. The world that you knew is actually a small part of what actually is. And when something supernatural happens, that is the sense that you get. And so here is a king thinking he is in control. Something supernatural happens and he all of a sudden understands. I forgot I had slides. There's the rhino and there's Hollywood. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, don't worry about it now. You missed them, but I missed them too. So here's something supernatural happens. And the king is now aware that, oh my gosh, I am not as in control as I thought I was. And then verse 10, the queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet hall 
And the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will show the interpretation. It's interesting that we see his name is now being used, Daniel, by the queen. You know, the queen was not in the hall, even though it says wives and concubines. And it's interesting that sometimes we need someone who we perceive as smaller to open our eyes to something bigger. And that's exactly what happens with the queen here. I I remember years ago having a conversation with my son, Daniel, who was about 12. That picture, he's not 12 there, but it was a picture I had of him that I like. So I remember Daniel asking me, he said, Dad, what's your favorite Bible verse? And here I am a pastor and I'm thinking, okay, I gotta pick a good one. And so I thought, oh, I know, Romans chapter eight, nothing can separate us from the love of God, neither death nor height, things present, things to come, principalities. And I went through and I read this like five passages in Romans chapter eight. And I thought, man, doom, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I thought, man, that'll seal it. And he was so unimpressed. He just like, hmm. And I just said, what, what's yours? And he said, well, I like where Jesus says, whenever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm with them because I know he's here. And it was just drop mic kind of a thing. It's like, dang, son, you just kind of showed me the spirit of what needs to take place instead of the information that I'm trying to convey to you. Yeah, the presence of God is really what it's about, right? And so sometimes we have our eyes opened from people who we wouldn't expect it. And the queen comes here and she opens the king's eyes to someone who he had not thought about. There's a lot there and we're gonna move into something very important, but we have to stop and notice something because a lot of times we can go through scripture and just read it and something is being said that we don't really look at and try and digest. Again, we're seeing something reminiscent of Joseph where he was forgotten in prison and someone came and said, hey, Pharaoh, I know someone who is in prison and it's my bad. I forgot to tell you about him and he's been there for seven years, but here he is. And the same thing, similar thing is happening here with Daniel. But also notice verse 11. It says that Nebuchadnezzar made Daniel chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Daniel was the chief magician, enchanter, astrologer? That is unusual. When we read something outside of our comfort zone, our tendency is either to ignore it 
or to excuse it. Oh, that's just what they said. He wasn't really one of these things. That's just what they're saying about him. You're, you're making that assumption based on what you already believe. Now, we don't know how Daniel interacted with these very areas and ideologies. We want to say that he just had nothing to do with it, but there is a good chance if he was the chief, he was at least learned in them, which again makes us a little uncomfortable because that is outside our comfort zone and our learning. Sometimes the Bible doesn't give us interpretation. It only gives us information. And then we are forced to wrestle with it. We are are, are forced to discuss it, to, to try and figure it out. That's the idea of having these things and actually talking about them. You know, the idea of arguing, arguing is an exchange of diverging or opposite views. And it's something that was done a lot and still done with the rabbis where they would discuss a passage of scripture and then they would talk about it. They would get together and they would see what each one thinks about it, and in the varying views, it would open their eyes to other possibilities. It might reinforce what they already believe, and it might give even more cause for their discussion to be argued. We think of argument as just hostility or heated discussion or, or passionate yelling, you know, at least that's a lot of what happens. I know my family, we used to argue all the time. It was normal. When my wife first came for a Christmas dinner, she thought we were all crazy. Why are you guys all yelling at each other? What? We were just having a discussion. For us, it was normal, right? But for some people, this idea of having a different viewpoint is something that is a problem. But that wasn't the case. And there's so many areas in scripture that we need to talk about it. And I don't think we're all going to have the same view. At least there's so many things that are controversial. Abraham offering Isaac, his son, for a sacrifice. That should spark some kind of discussion. Why wouldn't it? It's meant to. It's meant for us to go, whoa, 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 God, what's happening here? This isn't right. How could you say something like that? And it's almost like God is saying, okay, go. I've laid the foundation of something that should stir your interest. Go, have a discussion. Or what about the witch of Endor in 1 Samuel who calls Samuel from the dead to talk to King Saul? Whoa, 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 that should spark some conversation. What is happening there? Is it really Samuel raised from the dead or is it just some spirit? What is going on there? How can these things be happening? Why are they happening? What are we supposed to think about these? These unusual events need and I think are supposed to warrant discussion. We want to silence the things that we disagree with, but I think we need to be careful not to be too quick to dismiss how God works. Remember the Magi, the people who were astrologers, not astronomers, who saw the star and it told them where the Christ would be born. 
what's that about? How does that happen? Remember Paul in Athens, Acts chapter 17, where he goes before them and he quotes pagan writings and not Hebrew scriptures to communicate to them who the living God is. In him, we live, move, have our being, as your own poets have said. We are his offspring. That's pagan writing. Where did he learn that? Why did he learn that? Because now he's able to communicate. And so if we limit what is okay for us to learn, who is okay for us to listen to, sometimes we can limit our possibility of communication. Here we see Daniel in this place, chief magician, enchanter, astrologer. I don't know all that that entailed. Nobody does, but it's here and it's worth looking about and it's worth discussing. Why did the Magi understand where the Messiah would be born and the others didn't? I don't know, but it's worth looking at and discussing. And if Daniel, the Magi, Paul are able to learn from others, maybe we can too. You don't have to agree with everything. In fact, you shouldn't. We can still talk about that. And we can still discuss these things and still be friends and still be family. Verse 13, Daniel was brought before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, you are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah. I wonder if he's thinking now about, oh man, we got all your cups and stuff here we've been using to drink wine. You are that Daniel, the one exiles from Judah, whom the king, my father, brought from Judah. I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you. Yeah, you just heard about it from his wife. Where has Daniel been? And the light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now, the wise man, the enchanters have been brought in before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be in the third ruler in the kingdom. Now Daniel enters the scene. This is an amazing thing, what's happening here. And we see where Daniel has been. I I used to collect comic books. I had a large collection and I actually had this comic book. It's Spider-Man. And I remember collecting it and I remember them because I used to read them all the time. I just found out that this comic book was worth $7,500. I don't have it anymore. I sold it years ago and bought a bedspread for our anniversary. I guarantee you my bedspread did not cost $7,500. When I saw this, part of me cried inside, right? But Karina, I love you. I did it for us all those years ago. Amazing how things that once only cost pennies, are worth so much. This is being written right now at about 539 BC or BCE, whatever you're comfortable with. Daniel at this time would have been 80 years 
Let that sink in. Wait a second. It was only a few chapters ago. He was a teenager. He was just a young kid in the prime of his life. He, he was there and being an influencer. And now he's not even known by the king. He's 80 years old, almost forgotten. Where did the time go? What is he going to do now at this age? What is he supposed to do? How, how is this supposed to happen? Well, there's still a bunch more. I mean, there's chapter 12 we got to get through. He's still at the heart of this story, but he's now here at 80 years old. You see, God began a good work. When is he going to complete it? If God is not done working, then we should not be done waiting. And I don't know where Daniel was or what was taking place in the years. Let's say it was 50 years, all right? Let's say he was, you know, up to 30 years working or whatever. Where has he been for the last 50 years? Doing what? He's waiting because God is still working. And this is a a word for us who are elderly, right? Those who are up in years. You are not forgotten. You're not forgotten by God and God is not taking you for granted. You are invaluable. You are needed not only for the kingdom, but you are needed in our community. This community, Genesis, is sustained largely by the elderly community find that many people who have been retired are the ones who are able to still function through the pandemic. They haven't lost their jobs because they're not working. The events and things we want to do and reach out to other people in our community, we need the help of those who are elderly. We need the participation And so I think it's important that this be understood, that even if we are older, we are still useful. Leviticus 19, it says, you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. I'm gonna put a plaque of that on my wall entryway when my kids come in. I'm just gonna have them read this, you guys. But I want to encourage you, I want to encourage us to have long obedience in the same direction. I, I don't want us to grow weary, as Paul says in Galatians, of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Your family needs you. We need you. The world needs you, and God wants to use you. And so I hope that is a word for someone out there who's maybe feeling like, you know what? I don't know what good I am. I'm retired. I am this. Daniel was 80 years old and he had input because it was long obedience. It was obedience for the long haul. He was looking for the long direction, right? It was long obedience in the same direction. We see in verse 17, Daniel answers, says to the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Now, 
This is a very different reaction than he had with Nebuchadnezzar that we read about a couple of chapters ago when he's like, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, live forever. And he had the bad news of what was written and what was gonna be disclosed to him through the dream rather than was written where he says, I hope this is for your enemies and not for you. Here, Daniel's a little bit more blunt. Maybe it's the age, maybe it's the king, maybe it's both. But he goes on and he says, nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. And before he gives the interpretation, he gives a little reason. He's connecting dots to what he's going to tell the king. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and language trembled and feared before him. When he would, he killed. And whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up. And whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was filled up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind and his mind was like made like that of a beast. And his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew that the most high God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. Though you knew all this, but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them and you have praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze, iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God whose hand is your your breath the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways you have not honored. Very reminiscent of the prophet Isaiah. Then from his presence, the hand was sent and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed. Mene, mene, tekel, and parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command and Daniel was clothed with purple and chain gold was around his neck and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. The four words, mene just means number. Tekel means weighed. And the parson means divided. And Daniel interprets, your days have been numbered. You've been weighed and found wanting and your kingdom is going to be divided between the Medes and the Persians. Have you ever had the rug pulled out from under you? Just all of a sudden, bam, things aren't like they were a moment ago, a day ago. Maybe it's a a diagnosis from the doctor. Maybe it's a job change. I remember one day going to work and the boss coming out and saying, yeah, we're we're closing the business. We can't do this anymore. I was like, wait a second. We were fine yesterday, I thought. 
All of a sudden, you've got to look for work. Things are done. We see those things happening before him. You get that news, and pretty soon you're stunned. And we see that with the king. He's paralyzed with what's just happened. He doesn't know what to do. He still gives Daniel the stuff, even Daniel, though Daniel said, I don't really want this. He gives it to him anyway because he doesn't know what else to do. Verse 30, the last verse, it says, That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. The theme of this book continues. The theme of this book is that there is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of men. There is the strength of men, and then Paul would say in 1 Corinthians that the weakness of God is stronger than men, and the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Daniel doesn't just tell him the bad news, but he tells him why. He he puts the dots together. Verse 21, he says, until, talking about his father, he knew that the most high God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it who he wills. You are not as in charge as you think you are. It's amazing the kingdoms that have been around, even for thousands of years, the strength of something like Rome, how it crumbles and there's no more thought really of its power except in history. The the things that we think are mighty that are brought down to nothing. And this is the point over and over again. The God of heavens has established his kingdom and he's established it in his Messiah, Jesus. Whether or not it looks like it, whether or not his followers are being persecuted or their voices are being heard, whether or not your candidate is elected for the office, whether or not your country is prosperous, God is working and he's going to continue to work and his kingdom is in his Messiah. That's what we believe as Christians. And the hope I want to give to you, especially at a time like this, in a time of pandemic, in a time where we are divided more than any other time, there is something that unites us and it is the kingdom of God. It is the Messiah in whom we trust and all these other things will come and go. The words are true. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the one who does the will of God will abide forever. And that's who we wanna be. That's how we want to be. And and it doesn't matter where things are right now. We have hope in who is in control and whose life we have trusted ours in. And Daniel's message here is our message. The the foolishness of God to, to trust in a, crucified Messiah is wiser than men. The strength of God seen in a Messiah coming in on the colt, on a donkey, is stronger than the greatest military we can imagine. This is the kingdom of God, what it looks like. This is what we trust in. And when it feels like, man, things seem out of control, yeah, they are, but there's more. 
There's writing on the wall trying to tell us about the time that is numbered, about how God weighs things. And we are told, Lord, teach us to number our days. In fact, I want to close with that psalm, Psalm 90. And I pray this would be an encouragement for you. I know things look crazy. I know things feel crazy. But like Daniel, who had been forgotten and is now 80 years old, his steadfast understanding that it doesn't matter that I'm in a foreign country, that I've been enslaved here, that I'm the chief of the astrologers and the magicians and all these people, that the things that were used for worship in the house of the God I believe in and worship are just being used by this king, this pagan king and his concubines and all these lords, and they're worshiping gods of silver, gold, bronze, wood, and stone. I understand this is what I see. It looks like everything is going to hell in a handbasket, but let me tell you how it really is. The days are numbered. God is still weighing things and God is still working things. Psalm 90 says, teach us to realize the brevity of life, to number our days so that we may grow in wisdom. Oh Lord, come back to us. Do you feel like God is distant? God, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. Man, it feels like there is a delay. We want God to see us, to hear us. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness and proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Let us, your servants, see your work again. Let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Again, he says, yes, make our efforts successful. That is our prayer. God, see us, see our condition. Restore us. Help our children and our children's children to know the glory, to know what a kingdom really looks like. Make our efforts successful. What are our efforts going to be? What kingdom are we going to build? What are we going to establish? How are we going to move this kingdom forward? Heaven and earth will pass away, but the one who does the will of God abides forever, even if you're 80 years old. Let's pray. God, thank you for the faithfulness of Daniel. Thank you for this story, Lord. And there is so much underneath it that just understanding who, where he was, what was going on, makes it all the more powerful. And it helps us, Lord, to understand how you work so faithfully even in circumstances that seem so difficult. 
Lord, I do pray for those who are listening and watching that you would encourage them, Lord, that you would strengthen them. Even as we read that you would teach us to number our days, Lord, to realize the brevity of life and and to invest in the things that are important, to see your will and desire for it to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have your way, God, we pray. We do ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Yesterday, I washed my solar panels. I got them about a year ago. And what happens is if you don't clean them, the dirt and things that are on them makes them become ineffective. The problem isn't the panel. It just wasn't in the condition that it needed to be to be effective. And I think the problem sometimes isn't our usefulness. You're useful. It's that we're not ready when the opportunity comes to be used. There's too much dust that's collected on our lives. Too too many things have hindered us from being receptive and maybe even available. And I hope that through our time together this morning, we are encouraged to make ourselves ready to be useful. Even as we are going to step out and to do an outreach in our community, I encourage you again, if you want to be involved, email us so that you can just say, I'd like to be a part of that outreach. Leave us your phone number. That way we can get a hold of you and give you more information as we start to develop this. But may the Lord prompt our hearts to be ready for when the time comes and we are able to stand before the king, before the circumstance that is needed to have the words, have the courage, and have the message that will be helpful. God bless you guys. Thank you for watching and being a part of us. We love you. We miss you. Stay tuned. We are going to be doing things, great things. God bless you guys. Love you. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.